Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair today, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table with solutions, with wit and wisdom. Today, I'm going to be in the studio. However, my guests, because of COVID-19, are going to be on Zoom. So let's get to the show. Hi, everyone. Yay! Bringing you Zoom with my beautiful friend. This is Annie's Pink Chair. My beautiful friend Jessie's with us today on Annie's Pink Chair. And this is where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table to discuss. And we answer them with solutions, with wit and wisdom. And today I have a friend. Let me tell you something about this girl. You see how beautiful she is, right? You see this girl right here? she's so beautiful and sweet and not only that you guys this woman has a fantastic story that you are not going to believe like it is literally something out of the movies like she has walked a crazy life so far and honestly her life's just beginning her life's just beginning so jesse welcome to my pink chair and i've obviously I'm sitting in the pink chair, how comfortable, but I see that you got that beautiful, gorgeous pink background because yeah, you're we're all the way beautiful. in Buffalo. <laughs> you're in <laughs> Buffalo, New York, which I love Buffalo. So Reverend how Buffalo. are you? I'm so happy oh, you're here good. today. Oh, it's so good to be here. And just yeah, so, hearing you and chatting is so healing. I know. And I was on your Instagram live and I loved it. It was so fun. And I told you, I'm going to bring you on the pink chair. And you were like, okay. So here we are. We finally came to this day and it's such a great day today because you know what? I am so happy that I met you. It's like literally like I've met these gems in my life and you're one of them. You're one of my diamond collection, you know? And it's like, I, I look at you as such a treasure and such an anointed woman and such a beautiful spirit that loves people. I mean, I remember, can I, I'll just close this to everyone. So I met Jesse. I met Jessie through a friend, a good friend of ours. She was one of our house managers at Destiny House. And she said, hey, I have, I have this gorgeous friend. She needs a little help right now. I was like, okay, introduce me to I her. I did need a little help. <laughs> and when I saw your picture, I was like, OMG, who is this chick? Fresh hair. <laughs> she got it together. I mean, she's got dreadlocks and pink hair. And I love this girl. And she's wearing all these different colors. And She's got tatted everywhere. She looks gorgeous, like a showgirl model. And that's what you are or were, right? Tell us, tell us uh, that part of your story. Like, how did it start? Woo! Woo! (laughs) Thank you so much. You just, I don't know, I'm just over here smiling. Thank you. Um, So long story short, I guess um, I was raised in Detroit and like a lot of people had a tough childhood i dealt with a lot of death early my father passed away um, of aids my sister of cancer leukemia a uh, single mom was so tough she just kept it together and she had to go to school full-time work full-time in order to get government housing and taking care of my sister and uh my dad wasn't really around and then passed so she was a boss you know got it all done and i had a lot of time like to myself and you know, to kind of ponder, like, where do people go when they die? So I remember at an early age, I was like contemplating, like, what is going on? They're here and then they're not. Like, what is this? And I was young, like eight or nine, you know? Um, And I would just dance, dance, dance to kind of like 
for healing and because I had a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I would just bounce around my basement for hours and hours and just dance. So that was always kind of like a healing. Um, and then fast forward, I was like a cheerleader and I was real nerdy and quiet. And I'm still not pretty nerdy and shy. <laughs> not. Don't let that fool you. It's a tough exterior, but I'm pretty nerdy, you know? So I was real shy, painfully shy and um, had really good grades, cheer. And I started going to a Christian after school, um, an after school Christian, what do you call it? Static again, or students taking action together in Christ. How old were you? that planted uh, junior high. Okay. Well, 13, 12. Um, and I started pressing into God and I was so joyful. I had such a peace. I felt like I was floating on air. I was just like, just felt so, good in my soul. So good in my soul. And then I had this stepdad. Um, my mom, to cope with everything, was drinking heavily. And yeah. she had not really selected the best like men in her life. And she had been through a lot of trauma. Um, but she did the best she could. Put a roof over her head and all this, keeping it together. But she struggled with um, substances and um, picking really rough men. So there was this man that came into our lives who was really angry, oh. so angry. And he would just speak like death on me on a daily basis. And like, it broke me. And I started to believe the things that, you know, he spoke over me and it was years. He was cursing you. It was cursing me. Yeah. It just really broke my spirit. And I tried to get away and they would report me as a runaway if I like, laughed and said i'm staying at friends for a while they're like no you're not they report me as a runaway so i went to juvie they dropped me off at like a mental home and um it just got really suffocating and i was like wow kids don't have any rights like i can't choose you know right how old was at this point when you went to that home high school it was like high school. okay yeah. it was like so, seven, you know Right. Sorry, eighth, ninth, and then into tenth grade, it started getting really bad, and um, and then I I felt like I just needed attention, um, so I was kind of coming out of my shell and being a lot more loud, trying to make people laugh at school, pretty much use it. Um, I would get good grades, but I was just like, I need people to give me attention, so I'll make people laugh. I'll do really stupid stuff, and you know, go down the hallway in a garbage can and just be like that, you know, stupid and um, starting wanting attention from men. Um, and I feel like that's a classic case, you know? When yeah. Dad's not there. Yeah. Yeah, so I just needed attention and nobody, like nobody could help me or replace me, put me somewhere healthy. And it just, I was drowning and felt super suicidal and then started smoking weed and da da da. So anyway, I, um, I was expelled from school because I was just being too silly. They're like, you're just being too silly. You're not taking this seriously. Expelled. And um, what did that make you feel like? I, you know, how did that make me feel? I felt like it, I don't know. I thought it was okay because I started working full time after that. And I felt like I learned so much just being in a full-time work environment. I was learning business. I was learning how to schedule and how to just be like an employee and, you know, save money. So I was learning. I felt like I was learning more, but I just, I guess it made me feel really rejected and harsh. And I was like, I can't take this back. Like I was supposed to graduate. I'm like, that's so harsh, but I was just like, okay, we'll keep moving. Um, so yeah. And then, 
moved out and was trying to on my own get an apartment, you know, a car, a flip phone. <laughs> oh, the flip phones. The yeah, flip phone and put food on the table. And uh, I finally left the house. I was old enough to leave and all that. So, um, and I couldn't really support myself. I, I worked so many jobs. Uh, I worked from like 5 a.m. to, and I was a, you know, a waitress and a line cook and doing all this stuff. And I could not support myself. It was tough. You know, barely oh, absolutely. I, I can understand that completely. I mean, that's yeah. what me as a it, teenager like. It's just three jobs could not pay for yeah. everything. Yeah, you just run in this hamster wheel. Yeah. And um absolutely. Yeah, exhausting. And so I found an ad in the paper that was like dancers wanted. And I was like, Oh, oh dancer. Dancer. And, uh, Woo! Dance, what's a dance team? You know? <laughs> what do you want? Pot of array, you were like turns, what do you right. and, um, so I call and she's like, oh, it's not that kind of dance. And I, I had never had a natural chest. And I was like, um, <laughs> okay, like maybe I'll try it out. And she's like, yeah, come on in. Different strokes for different folks. You know, just, it's okay if you're not, you know, a big breaster, whatever. So I was like, okay. So I took two friends with me to go check it out. And I saw this girl just being covered in money. Like they were making it rain on her. And we're like, oh, Ah. And it was this place called Traffic Light. They didn't have a DJ. It was very dingy. It was a truck stop. It was. <laughs> oh, okay, wait a second. Like not because trafficking, and it's called Traffic Light. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Really? I mean, it's all <laughs> really? under an umbrella, you know? Right, right. So you went in there and then you just, you got, did they pretend it was an audition? I thought I was rich my first day. I made like 200 bucks and I had cash. I was like, I'm rich. What a bucks. Yeah. And so I, I could afford my apartment and all those things. And like, you start off with like a certain amount of integrity, I think. And over time you're desensitized and then you find that stripper family um, that you don't oh, yeah have and so and they taught me how to be a little more glamorous and like took me in and made me sort of this like super stripper and i was oh yeah super stripper with all the glitter and the heels are like this and like everything yeah. checked out in color-coded fashion like i used to have oh, yeah. neon. jesse i had all neon outfits because they had black lights and i was like i'm about to work this whole pole we're going down i'm getting <laughs> all the tips that glow everything oh glow. yeah i remember those days so so you yeah. were doing that and and then how long were you actually in the the stripping industry did you go from club to club or did you travel circuits i or no? found one that was my home club and everybody went to everybody's birthdays everybody's weddings it really right. was like, i mean it, 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 it really I still have friends from that industry that I, yeah. one of my Always. best friends, she runs a church now with her husband mm. and her and I were in the stripping field together and we've never stopped being BFFs ever. Love her. She loves I Jesus. That's the coolest thing, even since I've known you is like your stories of friends from back when who are over yeah. time coming to the Lord. And like, I, I love, I love having friends. I mean, yeah. it's part of life. Like yeah. you can't, you can't navigate all by yourself all the time, right? You just need that. Right. It's like one of the most valuable things. When you have, like you said, the stripper friends, it's a family. Cause right now your family probably didn't accept you. Did they, they were probably, did they know what you were doing? It was it secret we're all spread out and there's just so much family drama. Being yeah. Born that it's just too much. And, it, and it's very possible. Cause we talked about this earlier too, that you were as a child developing complex trauma because of that abuse. I believe your mom 
was awesome. She worked really hard. But then when that stepfather came in and started speaking death over you, that actually anatomically changes your brain. And when your brain is being informed as a child, yeah, I mean, that's devastating effects. Like I remember nights where I had never cried that hard before. And I cried so hard. I literally felt like things were like ripping in my spirit. Like, I know. And I just feel so bad. Some people have had it so much even worse than that. you know, and I think, you know, your your level of pain is for you and the journey that God put you on. So it, it doesn't make it irrelevant just because someone got abused, maybe a little worse or a little less. Your pain is real. Today we were talking about grace and redemption and how God can take an adulterer, a prostitute, a drug addict, a leper, and he can touch them with his love and the grace that God gives them. And I wanted to share this book that I wrote called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. And if this is not the most redemptive story, and I'm a little bias because it's mine, but this is my story of getting completely flipped upside down by the love of Christ and finally rescued out of sex trafficking into freedom, redemption, and hope. You can go to Amazon or our hookersforjesus.net website, and it's also on audio, and it's in my voice. I narrate the entire thing, and I sing. Thank you so much. So tell me what happened, because I know that I met you in Las Vegas. How did you get to Las yeah. Vegas, Jesse? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a story right there. Huh? Well, I was like, I want to get into showbiz, and I started getting like tattoos and all that kind of stuff, and doing some like modeling and all that. And I was like, all right, I want to do shows. I want to get out of stripping, um, and I want to do like shows, like performance art. And things that's like admirable because that. that's like you feel like you're going to graduate and go to something legit now. Like I'm not going to be a stripper. I'm going to be in a real show. Yeah. Right? Yeah like something just a little more where I could put like my experience and training into, you know, something like a a passion. And so, um, yeah, I got to Vegas and my first roommate there was actually a call girl come to find out. I met her at the club in Detroit. And when I got there, she was like bringing her clients to the apartment and stuff. And I was like, Whoa. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay. And, um, different. Uh, who are you, John? I mean, Scott. I mean, uh, yeah, and they were eating my food. And they were underwear in the kitchen, eating my food. Like, what are you doing? What are you and, doing? Uh, Put your pants on, bro. I mean, bro. No. Well, that's my food. That's <laughs> not my food. Yeah. So uh, that was an adventure. And I just really wanted to get into showbiz. And I was just so on fire because he, that stepdad told me I was like a loser and wouldn't amount to anything. So I used that in like, um, it had roots of anger and pride and that I just needed to prove to myself. And it was like my self-esteem was wrapped up in, um, you know, what I could, like a character, building up a character. I mean, I, I saw your Instagram, gorgeous pictures, by the way, color, beauty, different poses. And I saw you dancing with fire. What is that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I got to Vegas and I just, I had all these goals and these dreams and all these things. And, um, you know, they all kind of started, they were happening. And I was working a lot. I was a slave to work. I was a slave to it. And I was just really, 
was so into it. I would wake up, you know, working and every hour of every day was just like based on like work and goals, goal setting and, you know, set my sets on my sights on all of these goals. So, um, yeah, I was fire performing. I got to like travel the world with different fire performance groups and got to work with wow. a lot of celebrities and some cheesy reality TV stuff. And, um, yeah, I got to do a lot of things, you know, a bunch of billboards, magazines and all that in it. And what happened was that I started to see. And you had a large, I remember this large Instagram following. I remember looking at your profile going, Oh my gosh, this girl, this beautiful person here, she looks like she has it together. Like everything looks happy in her life. Like it didn't look like you were sad. And I felt such a deep sorrow for you because you were reaching out for help, you know, like, yeah, so go ahead, finish what you were saying. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I really interrupted. I have a hard time asking for help, you know, and that's, yeah, where, but you did. that's and where you came in. <laughs> Thank you. You, I mean, I remember you told me I, I was about to work this show. Yeah. And it went yeah. down. They, they, didn't they hire you or something? They actually hired you, didn't they? Yeah. So I guess I, I was Buddhist and I was like doing all these things. Um, and I just started to get so empty inside because I was like, this is like what I dreamt of. And when those things are checked off and you're just like, oh man, like what you have to do to kind of get here is like, it's a lot. it was a lot. It was go, go, go. And I was not eating and everything was wrapped up in the way I looked and the way people talk to me when you present yourself as like a, like an object, like a sex kitten or th something like yeah. that. People talk to you in a certain way and you're just like, oh, I miss like having a deep conversation because people just see you as an object, you know, and they'll be like, oh, nice. Bye. Like, I mean, from women to men, because I used to have women look at me a certain way, women that were gay and they yeah. look at my body, you know, it's just very uncomfortable feeling. And then also the men doing the same thing, not listening to you, just looking at your chest or your body. It's about that. Like, yeah. And that becomes so sad. Yeah. Your heart gets sad. You're like, what about my mind? Or It's know, very materialistic and fleshy. Like not, it's not a connection, a human connection at all. It's all trying to make ourselves perfect, you know, yeah. and I always felt like I could never have enough tattoos and I just needed more. And I, you know, I was doing all these things that just were not focused on the heart or the mind. It was all like physical so I could get work and yeah, distracted level. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm really empty inside. I got nothing going on. <laughs> I mean, just all, yeah, I just felt empty and it started to get dark because I started to look into trafficking and look into like, I don't know, sort of like rituals and how they, and just like demonic attacks, spiritual warfare, oh. things like that. I just started like researching and I started seeing a lot of symbolism pop up in different places. So um, I was really into like festival culture and music and all the music always went back to a dark place when we we're supposed to be at this like happy rave or I would see a lot of like, the devil's showing up. I feel like the devil's showing up everywhere. And I feel like I really was working for the devil without really knowing it, you know? Yeah. Because and, that's uh, what he is. He, he, uh, he masquerades as this beautiful new age occult and in right. festival culture. And, in, you know, I mean, remember this, that God did place Satan in the garden. He put, let them, him go in there to, to proposition Eve. Uh, I mean, we have to be aware of that, that, he's in the midst he's in the principalities of the air but we've overcome him so yeah. you try to hide up. Him but what ended up happening to you 
Jesse like. So sorry, I was like, is the devil off. real? What's going on? Is the devil real? I want to find out. So I kind of made it my mission. <gasps> I'm focusing on. We're scary. So, I don't want to. I don't. Hell. Yeah. I went on a mission to find out if the devil was real. And I did the board before, and it scared me to death and the the levitation prayers and all that and i, I did for a little while and it freaked me out because stuff started happening yeah so no the supernatural was real back then i was yes. like whoa it's real like it yeah. scared me i was like my gosh that means the demons can come get me <laughs> you know yeah so it's terrifying and you can see experimenting people so mm -hmm. um and i found out the devil was real and it it kind of just led me to thinking about god i was like wow uh, started thinking about Jesus. Um, and yeah, I started getting really suicidal. I was over it, you know, over it all. Um, and I just felt like that I was getting approached with these uh, offers to be a high-end prostitute, to do porn, to do different things. My mind was like oh, thinking cool. about all these things. And I was like, this is going to kill me. I saw like the road and I was like, I'm going to end up on heroin. I'm going to end up on something hard to get through this. And they're offering me like $40,000 for a weekend. I was like, I'm not even... Like, why do you think I'm worth 40,000? <laughs> like, we're priceless as people, you know? It's like, it's not about, yeah, and I was like, oh, no, I, I mean, listen, that's I, I, money. that, that is, I, I, I remember, yeah. you know, and I'll share this with you, I, that I was approached to go to an island for a hundred grand mm. for a month. I was like, uh-uh. I thought they were going to kidnap me. I was like, no, wow. and whoever was there could do whatever they wanted without condoms. Gross. Wow. Out of here with that. For real? No. Yeah. I'm not doing that. It's only three grand a day. I'm not doing nothing with you. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> new. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so so you just like came to Vegas and and was gonna you were gonna start this or start this new show and, and Yeah. Okay, so fast forward. Um yeah, all that stuff started getting heavy and then I started um seeking the Lord or just, you know, being a little bit more open to him. And then I saw my friend Megan. Oh yeah. Megan uh, is colorful. I haven't seen in years who was formerly gay and like a rape scene girl with me too. Yeah. And she dabbled in, you know, black magic and things like that. And, um, and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And I heard that she gave her life to Jesus, was married, had a baby. And I was she, like, all right. Okay. I got to talk about it. What is I going on? No, too, because we met her at the porn convention doing our outreach on fire for Jesus. I, this like, is the connection. She's like, ah, we'll People say, don't go it. to those porn conventions, but I'm sorry. That's how I met you, Jesse. Yeah. Because we were, we were going there and we met fishing for Megan and, and John at the porn convention. And yeah. it was a beautiful thing. Like they came to our yeah. church, all that in so. the light of the Lord. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking your story is just incredibly, just so like detailed and out there that I don't know if you have time, but we got three minutes left and it ain't going to end in three minutes. Don't worry. <laughs> worry. What I'm suggesting is let's do part do it. Let's okay. do part two. So we'll Sorry. end in a couple <laughs> minutes, but let's talk about that demonic realm. A little bit. Yeah, I really want to leave that a little bit too. But yeah, there's. We'll talk about that next time. But the demonic realm, I think people need to hear this because I think they don't know if it's real, and so they're playing with it. 
Mm. What would you say to someone right now that's dabbling in that demonic exploration? I think what they're looking for is a sense of power. They can feel that there's spiritual warfare around them. And then there is power. When you call the name of the devil, they say he's the prince of this earth, right? And he, he'll grant you things, but you don't understand that. When like you a genie in the bottle? Like a, you can rub the bottle and he comes out and gives you what you want, but there's a catch? There's a catch. Yeah. And I think oh, there's that <laughs> your soul and anything right. he comes to kill, steal and destroy and he's a liar and anything he gives to you it like comes with just so many chains and just a false love and you end up following just a false love and a false light and i think some people want to do the right thing and there's certain elements that feel healthy like our meditation or things like that and it's like yeah, sure we're seeking like power and we're seeking some sort of something bigger than ourselves and i just like the devil's real and Jesus is real and Jesus yeah. loves the way, the truth and the life. And when you let him into your heart, he completely changes people. I've never seen people change. I mean, you, you're, you are living proof. Like we're going to go, but let's do part two, Jesse, because this is just so good. And I think everyone out there watching and listening need to know that there is freedom and mm -hmm. redemption and, there is no shame in what you've been through or what you're in right now. Jesus comes to you right where you're at. So what I want to do is I want you to share really quickly what's your social media account so people can connect with you. Faith and Fitness Jesse. That's J-E-S-S-I-E on Instagram. Uh, I love Instagram, so. Yeah. Uh, really on Facebook as much. So find me on Insta. And then um, I work for Path, P-A-T-H of okay. W-N-Y. So Path of Western New York. Okay. Path of W-N-Y uh, .org. Great so body. if they need to get a hold of you, they can, they can reach you on your Instagram first. And then if they need to get a hold of you at the other organization. Um, or you can just go support Path and Destiny. Yes. Hocus for Jesus. <laughs> yes. We'll talk about that. Jesse, thank you so much. And I'll see you in a little bit, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining Annie's Pink Chair. We can't wait to see you back in a little bit. And for some of you, next week. Bye. Hi, friends. It's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair, and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. I remember this so, so sharply in my spirit when I first got out of sex trafficking. I had no peace. I was completely messed up in my brain, in my mind, in my soul. I could not sleep, but let me tell you something. I remember reading in the Bible, be still and know that I am God. And when the ladies come here, this is exactly what happens to them. They come here, they sleep, they rest. Then they start their counseling. They read the Bible, they get a bunch of women loving on them and serving them food and they get to do a bunch of fun activities but more importantly 
mostly importantly than anything on our property is the fact that they get to rest and find the peace that they've lost while they were being trafficked. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate and listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.